This is the Canoe Creek Podcast. Our vision is to help people in our community connect to God, grow in Christ, and go serve others. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Road, and our Sunday morning service times are 9 o'clock and 1030. Thank you for tuning in. All right, for the last uh, four or five weeks or so, we've been in this series called Letters to Leaders. We've been looking at the letters that Paul wrote to a young man named Timothy and a young man named Titus who were uh, young leaders of the church, and their job was to establish elders and other leaders uh, within the churches where they were at. And so uh, while we've been looking at these letters, uh, we've been reminding you that it's easy for us to kind of approach these letters who are written to you know, Christian church, uh, uh, you know, church leaders and, and uh, leaders, uh, elders of the church and things like that. And, and although it's easy for us to look at it that way, um, we don't want us to dismiss these letters as only being for like the professional Christians or only for, you know, the elders or only for the, the leaders of the church. These letters actually contain lessons that we can all take with us, put in our back pocket and apply to our lives as we live out our Christian faith. And so uh, through this series, one of the things we've been reminding everybody, especially as we're talking about leadership, uh, is that everybody leads somebody. Everybody leads somebody. In other words, uh, whether you realize it or not, you are a leader in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's a leader of your household or it's the leader, like you're leading your spouse or your children. Uh, Maybe you lead uh, just even just a circle of friends. Uh, maybe you, you're a leader in your workplace or maybe uh, in your community. Whether you realize it or not, someone is looking to you as an example of what to do or maybe even what not to do. Uh, and you are looking at someone as well. Maybe whether you realize it or not, you're looking up to someone who is leading you in some way, shape, or form. And so we want to keep that in mind as we approach, um, you know, as we go through this series, as we wrap this series up, uh, and especially this morning. Now, while we've been through this series, you know, we've been talking about us as leaders and things like that, but I also want to focus today, not just on ourselves, but as leaders, I want us to focus on the people that we are leading. I want us to kind of uh, have in mind what our priorities should be on whom we lead and when we should lead them. You know, whom we serve, you know, whom we protect and provide for, and when we should serve and lead and protect and provide for those things. All right, so um, to kind of kick us off, I want to share uh, just this opening illustration with you. Uh, you guys remember that movie, Air Force Ones, back in the 90s, late 90s, Harrison Ford? I always try to throw a Harrison Ford in there, you know? It's just, it just makes sermons better, you know? Uh, but in the movie, uh, Harrison Ford plays the President of the United States, uh, and they're aboard Air Force One, and as they're coming back from uh, Moscow, Russia, right, uh, their uh, plane uh, is, they've, they've been, they were boarded by Russian terrorists, and uh, they've hijacked the plane and taken the the president and the crew all hostage and things like that. And so you can imagine how dramatic it is for Air Force One to be hijacked and the the really intense scenes that take place. Well, so there's several different uh, rescue attempts that they they try to implement. And um, all the while, okay, all the different attempts like parachuting and zip lining and all these different things to try to rescue the crew and rescue the president. All the while, okay, the president keeps saying this phrase. He goes, he keeps saying, family first, 
my family first. You know, the, eventually, after everyone is saved and uh, after uh, the, uh, the president is finally off, uh, it's just him and a co-pilot or uh, one of the pilots and one other person. And finally, at long last, the pilot says, Mr. President, it's time to get you off the plane. And reluctantly, looking around, he finally agrees and he gets off the plane, right? But the whole time, he's thinking family first. He's thinking about his crew and he keeps, he keeps repeating that phrase. He's talking about his family, my family first, my family first. Now, it's a very interesting dynamic that we see played out in that, uh, that context, right? Because you've got the President of the United States, obviously the most powerful and most important person on the plane, but he's also the most powerful and most important person, if you think about it, in the country, right? Most powerful man in the country. The whole time... He has voices telling him of how poor, important he is because they're telling him that we need to rescue you. It's our job to keep you safe. And the whole time, he dispels the voices that are telling him how important he is and how much uh, we need to protect you and rescue you. And instead, he says, my family first. And I love that tension, right? Because that's where we live sometimes. Now, I'm not saying that we're the president of the United States or that uh, any of us are going to be or most of us probably shouldn't be, right? You know, you probably agree with me on that one. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we can look at ourselves in our own context, our own Air Force One, whether it's our living room, whether it's our armchair or, <laughs> or the car, you know, we can look at ourselves and we can think, you know, I'm the most important person here. You know, it's my career that is most important, or it's it's my uh, agenda, you know, the things that I want to see happen, you know. And that can take many different shapes and and forms, right? You know, it could be that we are obsessed with our entertainment, uh, where we we look after ourselves with our career. Uh, Maybe even we look after ourselves because we have projects that we want to do, or or even just people that we want to go help, you know, and and serve in that way. Uh, But if we're not careful... We, we can neglect our families, right? So there's that tension there of, 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 you know, how do I know when to go and serve my country, serve the people, serve my crew, and why don't, when do I know when to take a step back and really just protect my family and have that mindset of family first? Well, to help answer that question, we're going to study this passage in the book of First Timothy, the letter of First Timothy, First Timothy. So, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. Uh, whether it's a smartphone or iPad or uh, the Bible in the seat back in front of you, the Scripture will also be on the screen, so that you don't have to do any of those things. But you can just stare at me if you want. That works too. But we're going to be in this passage uh, where Paul is is writing some instructions to Timothy about what to do uh, with their leadership and the Christian leaders. Okay, and. Uh, We're going to learn some things as well about what it means to um, set priorities with our people and and who we lead and whom we serve, who we provide for and protect, right? So we're going to be in uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. And this is what Paul says, okay? You ready? I still hear pages flipping, so I'm going. Sorry, here we go. He says this, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. 
So here's what Paul is, is kind of getting at here. You know, as leaders, right, whether you're a professional leader or, you know, just a leader in your household or whatever, uh, he's saying that your family, whether it's your, the old people older than you, younger than you, um, he's saying that you need to make your family a priority. And what I want to communicate to you based on the overall message of, of what we're going to talk about today is this truth, okay? Your family, our, our family, your family, is your first ministry. Our family is our first, our first ministry. Your family is your first ministry. Okay? Above all else, you, like your household, like your, your spouse, your children, or, you know, maybe if you live alone, it's, it's those people who maybe you, you have in your life, in your home the most. Um, you know, those, those are your, 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 first, your first priority. Okay? Now, um, we're going to explore a little bit more of this passage as we keep reading, okay? But we want to keep that in mind. And as we go, okay, I want to give you a little bit of a tool that you can use to know how to set your priorities about whom to lead, right? Because we got that question, right? Well, okay, when do I serve my family and protect my family? And when is it okay to, you know, let, let them be and then go serve the church or serve the community or whatever? Well, here's a tool, okay? There's, there's three priorities. First one is family, church, and then your community, Okay, first one is family, which includes your, just your immediate household, okay? And then part two of that is, you know, uh, maybe your extended family, your relatives, uh, you know, parents, grandparents, uh, aunts, uncles, things like that, okay? The second thing is uh, your church, okay? Uh, your, your church family, right? That's part of what Paul is talking about here is not just the immediate household, but he's saying, you know, everybody in the church, we're supposed to treat each other like a family, you know, it's kind of like what Jordan was talking about earlier when she led us in that song is we're all uh, brothers and sisters in Christ because we're all children of God, which, me, which may, means that we are a family. It makes us a family. You know, that's one of the things that we teach in our Connect class is that, um, that the church is a spiritual family. We're all God's children. We all need each other, and we're supposed to treat each other as such. All right, and then the last thing is your community. Right? If, if everything is good in the family and you, you're, you're good in the church, you know, you can extend yourself out and, and serve uh, those who need you in, in the community. And, the, you know, you've heard us talk about how we're for St. Cloud. Ross talked about that um, in his announcement time. Uh, there's lots of different ways that we encourage people to go serve in our community as well. All right, so keep that in mind. It's our family's our first ministry, and then priority is church, and then, uh, or sorry, family, church, and then community. All right, so let's keep reading. In verse 3, this is what Paul says. Give proper recognition to the widows who are really in need. Okay. Now, if you're not careful, you get a little bit of whiplash. Okay, so you have to stay with me, all right? Like, I'm, I'm letting you know, Paul is making a direct shift in direction here. Okay, you're not crazy. We're making a, uh, an intentional shift in direction where Paul is about to start talking about how to care for the widows in their community, the widows in their church. Now, here's where I don't want us to get lost, okay? Even though we're going to be talking about widows and how to care for widows in this next, for the rest of the passage, in this passage, Paul paints for us a picture of what it looks like to care for our family first, then those who are in our church family, and then also those in our community. It's peppered in here, and we're going to talk about that as we share some stories, okay? So, as we get ready to talk about widows in this passage, 
Um, I'm, in order to do so, in order to make it really come alive, I'm going to share with you some stories about uh, a widow that's in my family. Okay, so all the stories I'm going to share about are about the same, the same lady, okay? Now, even though I'm going to be focusing on this person who's in my family, um, I want you to maybe picture someone who's like that that you know in your circle. Because we all have, you know, either a mother or a grandmother, or maybe even a great-grandmother, or a great-aunt. Um, we all know someone who is either a widow, or someone who is alone. Someone who needs uh, our help, who are really, uh, you know, the widow, a widow who's really in need. We all can kind of picture someone, uh, whether it's in our family or in our community, who's like that. So just keep that in mind as I'm sharing these, these stories, okay? So uh, I'm going to share with you some stories about... Um, my grandmother, her name is Linda Chambers, and, and she is a widow, okay? Um, my, I've known my, my grandmother um, my whole life. She's known me my whole life. It's kind of funny how that works out, right? Uh, my grandmother and I have always had a, a very special uh, friendship, a, vo- a very special relationship. Um, this is a picture is of her coming to um, Missouri. We were in um, the... the basketball nationals, and uh, we had just uh, won the national championship, and we were all kind of celebrating and having a good time, and we finally kind of got up into the stands, and uh, we were just kind of sharing a, a big celebratory hug. Remember that? That was, a good, that was a good time. That was a good hug, too. You're a good hugger. Uh, she's here, by the way. That's cool. So, um, and we've always just had that kind of relationship, you know? And so um, I've, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and she's lived here in Florida for uh, the longest time. And so, um, you know, we've always been apart, but we've always kind of visited and things like that. But it was really cool, okay? About 10 years ago, in 2009, I went to college at Johnson University, which is right down the road. So I moved here, and I've lived here for the last 10 years. And so it's been really cool because I've been able to spend a lot more time with my grandmother. And we would do things like, you know, go get Chick-fil-A. Imagine that. And, um, you know, go, or go get maybe a coffee or something. Or I'd just go over and hang out. You know, I'd do laundry at the, at the house and um, take naps and do homework and things like that. We were just, it's been a really great time for us just to, to spend uh, together. Now, I, I never met my grandfather he died before I was born. His name was Roger Chambers, and there's a picture of him and, uh, and Grammy together. Um, but he died before I was born. He died in August of uh, eight, uh, 1988. August 8th of 1988, so 8888. My grandfather was just a brilliant man. And I, I didn't know him, but I feel like I know him because so many people have been able to share stories about him and, and talk about him, um, not just in my family, but just people around. Uh, so when they were married, um, they, they had a ministry in Ohio, and uh, they served faithful, faithfully. My, uh, he's, he was a, a minister. He was a preacher. Uh, the people just loved him. He, uh, they adored him. He was always in people's homes, just over at, uh, across the dinner table, sharing the love and hope and transformation of, uh, uh, of Jesus Christ and just, um, just, sh- just loving on people. Uh, he was a great speaker. Uh, he was a teacher. And um, he just, his, his influence just reached far and wide. Now, um, he uttered these words, I will never move to Florida. Just a hint, don't ever say that. I, I've actually uttered the words, I will never move to Ohio. And so um, 
my life is still young. God still has time to make that happen. So um, lo and behold, God called Roger and Linda to Florida. And uh, he was called to help start uh, a college, a Bible college. Same college that I went to, but back then it was called Florida Christian College. The goal of Florida Christian College was to train ministers to be able to go out and, and lead churches in central Florida and, and uh, greater uh, the state of Florida and then the, the nation. And so um, he was a, a college professor. They even named one of the dorms after him, Dr. Roger Chambers Hall. And I've actually lived there a couple times uh, throughout my college career. And um, he, was just, he, he was just an amazing, amazing guy, just uh, just brilliant. He was the kind of guy who, um, he, he was on like TV shows and stuff, debating atheists and uh, debating evolutionists, uh, debating uh, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and all these different types of people. He even had, from his son's high school, okay, just public high school, he had a science textbook thrown out of the school. Like they removed that textbook just because of how bad the science was in it. It had nothing to do with his faith or religion or anything. It just had everything to do with the fact that he was a brilliant man and the textbook that they were reading just was not sound science, just the practice of it. So uh, he actually had it thrown out. That's the kind of guy that he was. Okay. His influence spread, spread far and wide. So he died in, in August of 1988, right? He was traveling to uh, a conference. He was in uh, Ohio speaking at a conference there. And typically at a conference, you have the morning session and the evening session. And so he had just gotten done with the morning session and, uh, you know, had been doing his routine. And um, he ate a really good lunch. And he told his host family, he said, um, uh, you know, I'm going to go take a nap that people were going to be talking about, you know. It's going to be a good nap. I love a good nap. Well, it was, it was definitely a nap that people talked about and are still talking about because he never woke up. At least, he didn't wake up here. He woke up in heaven. And you can imagine, okay, his family um, living in, in Florida, you can imagine the shock, especially of it happening at that great of a distance. Their leader their protector, their provider, was gone. He left behind uh, four children. Um, My mom, being the oldest, she had just gotten married three years before that. uh, Her uh, second oldest daughter had just gotten married three months before that. He uh, left behind his uh, older son, who had just finished his freshman year at Florida Christian College, training to become a minister, like his daddy. He left behind uh, his younger son, who was 16 or 17 at the time, who was at a critical point of knowing, needing to know, that when his dad looked at him, he saw a man. You can imagine what that's like. You know, you, we've all lost someone that we love. What do you do when the shock sets in? Well, my grandmother, she, you know, what would you do? She, uh, she started cleaning the house. She's just, you know, everyone's kind of left already and house is kind of empty. So she just started cleaning, just cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. 
And what do you do? You just, you're waiting. You can't go up, up to halfway across the country in that situation. You just, you're just kind of waiting. You know, Paul in that verse, he talks about um, what we need to do for care, to care for widows that are, are really in need. He says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Every widow is in need. It doesn't matter how well off they are or how uh, well surrounded they are. Every, every widow is in need because every widow carries that pain of having lost that loved one, losing their spouse. And the need extends far beyond the, uh, the night of the funeral. So as we keep reading, um, there's going to there's gonna be, uh, Paul paints for us a picture of what it looks like to take care of our family, uh, our, our church, and our community in different ways. And so I'm going to share a couple more stories. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need, but... Okay, and here's, here's, the, here's where the good, the good part comes in. But, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so, repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. My grandmother has been very well taken care of in the years since my grandfather passed away. And, uh, uh, you know, we see here where it talks about um, caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. You know, this is where we, talk, we see this lived out, where we talk about, you know, taking care of your family, taking care of your church and your community. You know, our, our family is our first priority and also our extended family. So um, one of the people in my family, uh, one of Linda's children, my mother, is, is one of the people who's been able to kind of uh, extend herself the most in caring for Grammy. Now, uh, the, all the children, all of Grammy's children take care of her in different ways, but um, my mom has had both the uh, ability and the availability to be able to uh, reach out and, and extend herself to take care of my grandmother. Um, there's a picture of her and my dad um, at the Indianapolis 500, okay? Um, this is one of the, they, they call it one of the greatest spectacles in racing. I know here in Central Florida, we have the Daytona 500, so like there's nothing that kind of trumps that, but just... Just, you know, this is kind of, it's a, big, it's a big deal, the Indy 500. Has anybody ever heard of that race? Anybody? Okay, a few of you have, so you know what I'm talking about. I'm not totally alone up here. Our tradition is to go to this race every year. Since I was 10 years old, we've gone to the race every single year. And so, uh, even though I'm, uh, you know, kind of gotten to be in college and now I've, you know, got my own family, I'm not able to go. Uh, but my mom and my dad and my family, they, they still go pretty much every year. And uh, so... Last year, okay, uh, 2018, takes place over Memorial Day weekend. So uh, 2018, my mom and dad, they're at the track, and they are enjoying uh, the festivities. They probably got a track dog, you know, and a, maybe a, a Diet Coke or something like that, and they're just kind of enjoying themselves, and uh, my mom gets a text. You ever gotten one of those before? Just out of nowhere, Right? She gets a text, a phone call that Grammy's, uh, Grammy's in trouble. She's going to the hospital and she needs help. So my mom, uh, she gets on her phone while she's at the track, you know, going, probably go, trying to go find a quiet spot somewhere. Good luck. Um, she buys an airplane ticket and she flies out uh, either, it was either later that day or the next day and, so that she could come here to Central Florida to take care of my grandmother. While she was here, it was a, a long stay. I don't know, it was 
probably like maybe a month, month and a half that she was here. Um, it involved the hospital stay, it involved rehab, it involved all these different things that um, were in an effort to try to get my grandmother back to where she was and, and being independent and things like that. You know, dealing with anxiety and dealing with fears and things. Uh, it was a really, really difficult time. Um, but that's the thing about, about my mother, right? So uh, I'm, the, I'm the only child, you know, my, with, uh, with my family. And so I was, you know, I'm already kind of grown and out of the house and my parents are able to have their freedom back and do whatever they want, you know. Um, so my mom, you know, obviously when I was there and, you know, I w- our household was, our, was their first priority, right? You know, you got to take care of your, your, your family first. Um, but because everything was taken care of, right, she was able to extend herself to take care of her, you know, extended family, you know, and my dad has a, he's a pretty good job, and my mom's never been obligated to stay and, and work. You know, she's never had to work. She could work if she wanted to, but she's never been necessarily tied down to a job. It's been a real blessing. And so she has both the ability, the resources, and the av- availability, the time, to be able to jump on a plane and go do this. So that's what she does. And in doing so, she loves her family. She honors her mother and father and repays uh, her, her parents, just like what Paul says is pleasing to the Lord. So, fast forward one year, okay? It is 2019, Memorial Day weekend. My parents are at the 500. They are enjoying the festivities, probably having a track dog and a Diet Coke. And my mom gets a text. She gets a phone call. Uh, Grammy needs help again. And it's almost kind of weird how the same weekend, same scenario, right, she finds herself in. She goes to a quiet place. She orders a plane ticket on her phone. She flies out either that day or later that, uh, sometime the next day. And she's here to take care of Grammy. Now, during the, the course of time, my mother's care for my grandmother has uh, covered a lot of different areas, right? Uh, the biggest way that my mother has cared for her, for her mom is with their, their daily phone calls in the morning, whether it's FaceTime or an actual phone call, uh, whether it's a half an hour or two hours. Uh, that's been my mom's ministry to my grandmother's mother, is just faithfully uh, talking, you know, working through anxiety, um, just, you know, reminding her that she's not alone, Right? Um, it's also involved her doing things like flying down to Orlando. Um, it's also involved my mother doing like, like arranging for handiwork to be done around the house. Um, right as my mom was about to leave during this second visit, uh, you know, the, either the day before or the day of, um, a, a, you know, a storm came through and uh, a tree fell through the uh, kitchen ceiling and it was leaking water. It's almost like my God, like God was saying to my mom, "Hey, I just need you to stay around just just a couple more days, just just a few. All right? I just need you to just stay there. Just don't worry. I got it. I'm going to take care of it. But just stay there and uh, and help her out." So she did that. Um, she arranged for someone to come out and and work on the roof. Um, also, that same visit earlier in the week, the uh, plumbing in the kitchen went bad. There was a leak in the water line to the fridge. There was water everywhere. Um, you know, there's also been times where my mother has. Uh, you know, kind of freshened up the living area, got new furniture, kind of, you know, fresh paint. She's painted the cabinets. Um, just, just little things to kind of freshen things up. She's, visit, she's taken her to the doctor. She's done all these things, you know. But she, my mom does that because she can. She has the ability to do that and the availability to do that. Not all of us have that, but all of us can do something, Right? 
Now, here's the thing about my grandmother, okay? Um, she's never put a burden on anybody. You know, she's, she's always tried to be independent. And God's taken care of her. And my mother, because she has the availability, has always uh, tried to see to it that, you know, she's well taken care of. And later in this passage that uh, we're reading, Paul describes a woman who uh, has a widow in her care. And my mom just really lives out this verse. This is what he says in verse 16. If any woman who is a believer, so this is my mother, if any woman who has a, as a believer has a widow in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Okay? Every widow is really in need. But some widows don't have as big of a network as others do. All right, so my mom has been able to come and care for, for her so that the church can focus on other, other widows and things like that, uh, people like, like that who, who don't have that kind of a network, who don't have that kind of a family with that kind of uh, ability and time and resources. But as I mentioned, my, my grandmother, she's always been independent. She's always been a little, you know, spunky, right? She's always kind of uh, just wanted to, to, to be on her own and not be a burden on herself. It's because she's always relied on the Lord, okay? The Lord has always been there to take care of her. And let's keep reading. We read this. In verse 5, the widow who is really in need, okay, every widow is really in need. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she is while she lives. You you know how to live it up, right? Like my grandmother knows how to have a really good time. You know, as as a respectable uh, older Christian woman is supposed to have fun, okay? Keep it in context. But, you know, she lives out this first half of this, this verse because her mindset has always been, even though she's alone, even though she lives alone, even though she lives by herself, that she, she has the mindset that she's never truly alone. She always puts her hope in the Lord, just like what this verse says, and continues night and day to pray and ask for God's help. Sometime after uh, the funeral, my, my family shared this story. I don't know exactly when after, but, uh, you know, the funeral for, when, for my grandfather was huge. Filled up the, the gym, standing room only. Uh, just, just an emotional, powerful night as they were just grieving and, and mourning this, this sudden loss that just took everyone, just shocked everyone, shook, shook everyone's world. But after, after the, the funeral is over, when things get real quiet. That's sometimes when the widows are in need the most. That's sometimes when they feel the most alone. And sometime after uh, the funeral, I don't know how long after, my family shares the story of, of my grandmother going out, uh, down, out the front door, down the, just a couple steps into the driveway, and going over to the basketball uh, post where uh, Roger had played countless games of horse and one-on-one and 21 with, with his two sons and She's, she's standing there, and she's holding the goalpost. And she's just grieving. And she's crying out, what do I do now? What now? And while it's a, it's a heartbreaking scene, and we, we have compassion, I want to point something out to you. 
Who was she crying out to? In her pain and in her agony, she was crying out to the Lord. Her whole life, she has been a prayer warrior. Uh, She's always been one of my prayer warriors who I know. She's always praying for me. Uh, Even as a young boy, she prayed for me. She prayed for the person I was going to marry. She does that for all of her grandchildren. She's just a prayer warrior. She continues to put her hope in the Lord both day and night. And because of that, I believe God's always taken care of her. God's always provided for her through her family, okay, mostly, but also through her church and through her community. God's taking care of her through her church and through her community. A couple uh, years ago, you guys remember the two years um, where we had back-to-back hurricanes pretty much? Uh, That was a fun year, right? Um, So the second hurricane that came through uh, caused a little bit more damage here in central Florida and things like that. And um, it, it, it blew down a tree that damaged my grandmother's roof. And so... With, with something like that, it needs attention immediately, right? Because it's your roof. And so um, my family wasn't able to get to her right away. I, I'm, I'm down here in St. Cloud, and the, the roads weren't necessarily passable yet. And so uh, I wasn't able to get to her. And so the people that were able to help her the most were her church family. You know, uh, her, uh, her nephew made a, a, a call, or her son-in-law, excuse me, made a call, and the church, you know, came over and was able to help get the repairs underway because her church was able to take care of her, right? And so that's kind of that other example that we see, you know, we're talking about taking care of our family, taking care of the the church and taking care of the the people in need. I'm sure the people who helped my grandmother had their own homes, had their own families to take care of. But when they saw that everything was stable, there was no necessarily like an emergency, life or death, they went out to help someone in their church and in their community who was in need. Now, get this. Watch this. Look at what Paul says as we finish up this passage. All right, in verse 7. Give the people these instructions. All right, so hey, I'm doing that right now, so I'm good. I'm covered in this, all right? You guys, you guys with me? I'm giving you these instructions so that no, no one may be, put, uh, may be open to blame. All right, in verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Okay? In that verse, there's two things I want to kind of point out to you real quick. First thing is this, okay? It just goes back to what we've been talking about, is that your family, your your household, is your first ministry. Now, back then, when when Paul was writing this, that household may have included, you know, uh, uh, in-laws or parents or maybe even grandparents, and so that that would make sense too. But most of the time, these days, our household is just our family. Sometimes it includes an in-law or a, a grandparent or things like that. But um, um, so, but the, the, the key is that our, our family is our first ministry. But here's the second thing I want to point out to you, okay? It's, it's at the very end of that verse. It says, those who not, do not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, have denied the faith, and they are worse than an unbeliever. That sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? Well, well, here's one way of looking at this, that, that phrase, okay, that idea, is that this concept of taking care of our family, you know, those who are closest to us, is so common to our human nature that even unbelievers understand that that's our priority. 
Even unbelievers know that we're supposed to take care of our family and provide for our household first. So you know what's interesting? Is that, uh, you know, when, when um, the tree fell in my grandmother's house after the hurricane, you know who the first person on the scene was? It was her neighbor. Some of her neighbors in the community. And I don't even know if they are believers or not. But it just goes to show you that even believers understand this concept of serving their family, serving the community, serving the, the you know, uh, so just those, that set of priorities. Our families are first ministry, okay? If you have a household or, or, or an extended family, that, that's, your first, that's your first ministry. Then as you're able, okay, as you're able, you serve uh, the people in our church, our brothers and sisters, and then even more so, we take care of those who are in our community. Now, over the years, um, over the years, I've, I've helped out my grandmother, um, you know, in, in different ways, big or small. And, and my challenge to you this morning, my encouragement to you is, whoever that is in your mind, right, whoever uh, is... Maybe you've been thinking about as I've shared these stories, whether it's your mother or uh, maybe even your, your father, grandfather, grandparent, uh, a widow or a widower or someone who you know is in need. My, my encouragement and my challenge to you is to do something. Something, whether it's big or small. Do something to care for your family or, or someone who is in need of maybe a widow. Just, just do something. Whether it's, you know, picking up sticks in their yard or picking up the phone and making a phone call. My challenge is, is for you to find something to do. Maybe it's even you flying halfway across the country in order to take care of that person, if you're able to. But think about that person and decide to do something. And, and maybe if you're looking for a way to serve uh, in this community here, you know, Ross shared uh, that story about uh, the team getting together to go build the deck, fix the deck for the widow in our community. Um, another way you can serve widows in our community is with My Beloved Widows. That's a ministry that we support here at Canoe Creek. Um, they're in the community. They're not necessarily affiliated with us, but we support them. We partner with them. Um, they're always looking for volunteers. They do events all throughout the year where they, they serve dinner. They, they park their cars. They, they host. They do different types of events. If you want to get involved in My Beloved Widows, just put it on a Connect card. And if you want more information, uh, this back table right here has different ways that we can partner with our community and serve in our community. And my, the information for My Beloved Widows is on that table. Um, just let us know, and we'll get you connected to, to Darlene, who runs that ministry. But that's my encouragement to you this morning, is uh, just think about your, your family, your church and your community, someone who's really in need, maybe it's a widow specifically or someone that you know in your family specifically, and just do something. Like I was saying, over the years, I've been able to do things for my grandmother, mostly small things. There was one time where uh, I went up to her house and I fixed the door on her sliding glass door uh, that was the 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 door that goes right out back to the pool is the one she used the most. Uh, just a small fix, but to her, it was huge. Like, her eyes were just lit up. She was like, so excited. I don't think she was excited about the door. I think she was excited about the fact that someone cared enough to come take care of her. 
There was another time when uh, I brought up a, a mattress to, to her and replaced the one that she had had for years uh, with this, this mattress. And um, she was just so excited, you know, that, some, that, that someone came and took care of her. It was a small thing, but to her, it was huge. And then another time, um, Hannah and I went up to your house, and you didn't, you didn't know this. Maybe you did because you saw it afterwards. But uh, as we were leaving, we, uh, we picked up sticks in your yard, I think, because after a storm had come through. And uh, as we left, we just wanted to make sure that that was taken care of so that you didn't have to. Because we know that you would have gone out there and done it yourself because that's the kind of person you are. So we did it so that she wouldn't have to. Just a small thing. But it showed that we We cared. You know, we're taking care of our family, our church, and our community. And so, do something. Pick up the phone. Pick up some sticks. Pick up a mattress if you're able. Fly across the country. I don't know what that looks like for you or what it is, but my encouragement is for you to do something. Whether it's for your family, if that's who you're needing to focus on the most right now, or it's someone in our church that you're able to focus on, or if it's someone in the community that you're able to really extend yourself out to. My encouragement is to do something. Now, um, this is my last Sunday. I didn't know if all of you guys knew that, which means as I finish this message, I get to say whatever I want, right? Is that how that works? Okay. Um, so there's a couple of things I want to say. Uh, first off is um, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for being my church family. I just want to thank you for the blessing that you've been to my life and to uh, Hannah's life and to my children's life. And uh, you have given us so much life. Um, uh, there's a letter I wrote to the church, to you guys. It's in your bulletin if you want to read that. Uh, but I just want to thank you. Uh, we've loved ministering and partnering with you guys in ministry over the last three and a half years. And uh, we're sad to leave um, we're excited for the next step, but we're sad to leave. So as I, as I leave today, okay, this is my last time I'm going to be able to share something with you, at least for a while. So I'm going to try to make it good. It's not going to include Harrison Ford, uh, but it's, it's going to be good, okay? Um, I want to focus on the three things, the family, church, and the community, right? So there's three things I want to tell you. First thing I want to tell you is... Love your families. Whomever that is, however big of a circle that is, however extended your family is, love your families. They're your first ministry. If you're going to forsake everything else to save your marriage or to save your children or to save your family, do that. You won't regret it. Second thing I want to tell you is this. Um, Before I tell you, I need you to do something for me. I need you to put your head on a swivel and I just need you to look out at everyone else who's sitting in this room, okay? You don't have to make eye contact. That's weird. But just, just look out, okay? Just, just, just look and, and gaze at all the people, right? And turn around so the people behind you can actually see your face and not just a head of hair. All right? Second thing I want to tell you is this. Take care of your family, your church family. Take care of each other. Lift each other up. Encourage each other. Be there for each other, Okay? And if you need to, okay, knock someone over the head in the name of Jesus if they're acting a fool and uh, they're being a knucklehead. In the name of Jesus, okay? Last thing I want to tell you is this. 
the whole the whole point of us being in this room, okay, the whole point of us being here together is so that we can be strengthened to not stay here, but to leave and to go out into our community and into the world so that we can share Jesus with our world. And that's the last thing I want to say to you. That's our vision here at Canoe Creek is to help people connect to God relationally, grow in Christ spiritually so that we can go out and share Jesus with our world. That's why we serve. That's why we're for St. Cloud. It's not to make ourselves feel good, but it's because we want to take that love and the hope and the redemption and the grace of Jesus Christ to those who really need it. I love you guys. right and what's true to fight for their families to fight for each other to fight for those who who don't know you thank you for the blessing that they've been in my life I pray that you just continue to bless them we love you pray this all in your name